podcast number six. You know I got so I'm here with Tom. What's up, R&B world? And I'm here with Ed from SoInStereo.com. What's good, my peoples? Back on a Sunday night, Sunday afternoon, actually, doing this podcast. Again, this is number six. Got a lot of good things to talk about. Again, if you don't know, you can catch us at YouKnowIGotSoul.com, YouKnowIGotSoul.Podbean.com. You can also catch us on iTunes. I believe so in stereo. I think you also linked to our podcast as well, Ed. Every time. Got to show love to the fam. Yeah, and we appreciate everyone's feedback. We're getting a couple of views now. Again, even if it's just 20 people listening in, it's cool with us. We're just trying to build this thing and, you know, try to get all the R&B people together. So, um, you know, just to get started, I guess, everyone's heard the big first, news. First question, first question before we start. Who made right. Kyle the uh, the host of this thing anyway? I made myself the host. Oh, okay. <laughs> me, me, and, me and Ed are like the commentators, and you're like the host. I just, yeah. no, I just noticed that. Oh, okay. yeah, it just kind of it morphed into that, but it's all good. Kyle is good at being the point man, so let that man do that. I'll sit over here and spit these fire, these flames, and Tom will do what he do. Listen, I'm going to be the deep solid job. I'm going to be the deep voice guy from Boys to Men. Just let me let me have my talking parts. <laughs> my gosh. You guys can have what? you guys can have your, <laughs> you guys can have your solo parts. Just let me have the that deep talking voice guy part. from Boys to Men. I don't even know. <laughs> you don't even know his name. Mike. Right? Yeah. Right, Ed? Yes, it's by I will when we sing when it's Christmas hits and we sing the Temptations and we do Silent Night, you'll get all the baritone parts. You know it. <laughs> so anyway, just wanted to start off. Of course, everyone knows Janet Jackson announced her comeback. She's coming back soon, coming out with an album. She's putting out it on putting it out on her own. Um guys, just talk about this comeback and what it means to R and B. Well, not long ago, I featured, I had a um, piece featuring kind of the the kings and queens of R&B for the 90s. And I think it was 1993 that I put Janet at the top of the heap. And I know that she kind of goes back and forth between the R&B and pop worlds. But at her peak, she did so much for R&B. And that legacy carried on when you look at the Aaliyahs and Sierras and that kind of grew. So, of course, fans are like jumping with joy because... Yay, it's you know, it's it's Janet, one of the one of the forefathers coming back to breathe some life in the game and it brings some much needed energy. However, allow it to be the usual Debbie Downer. Um, I think that this album will be good. Hopefully we'll have something to show some progression, but don't expect it to be nineteen ninety three all over again, people. That's all I ask. Well, I mean, is this going to turn out? I mean, it's great that she's coming back. She'll put out the album, probably do a huge tour. But is this going to turn out any better than what Mariah is going through now? I mean, I know Mariah didn't have a similar comeback, but it's like these are legacy artists who are now kind of reemerging, trying to maintain their place. I just don't know how much success she's going to be able to have at this point. She hasn't done music in a while. And now it's like, what type of impact can she have is the question. And we saw that a few years ago with her last few albums, like the Discipline album and Twenty Wire. I did like that album. Like there had, there was even back in around that uh, that time, the middle O's, that you know she was kind of struggling to find her foothold. She had a long time off. She's been able to sit and observe the game. So perhaps 
you know, giving her a little bit of credit here that she's been able to find a role or a place for. Because I do think there's a place for veteran artists to come in. I just worry that the expectations are just so high that even when they do okay, we're quick to be like, oh, they flop. And they aren't able to grow because they have to build themselves back up. So, I mean, you got a point, Tom. I just hope that art, the fan base will give her a chance to redefine herself and not pretend that it's 1993 because that's not going to work in 2015. Well, I think the interesting thing is with all these veterans that come back, you always see on social media, there is that moment where everyone's just going insane. They're trending on Twitter. Everyone's just really happy that they're back. Um, I don't know if that's the right measurement to for success um, to see how well people are going to do because I looked at when Jodeci came back, Huge social media outbreak. You know, every time Mariah puts out a single, huge social media outbreak. I think you got to look at it from, you know, three months after that to see, okay, what's the hype about? Um, are they going to be able to make a comeback? And I don't know. With Janet, like you said, Ed, um, it's going to be interesting. I, you know, for my, for me, I don't know what the expectations are. I don't think it's going to be 1993 again. But, I mean, I have no doubt that the music will be solid. I just don't know what everyone else's expectation is for sales and just critical acclaim. So, uh, I mean, commercial acclaim. So what, what would you guys consider to be a success for Janet this time around? It's been seven years since her last album. To me, mm. it's, it's first of all, you bring up a good point about the buzz being we, we're quick to say, oh, the buzz is so deafening. But when it's just I mean, if your name is Janet fan 1994 and your <laughs> tweets all say yes with 74 S's behind it, like you're going <laughs> to buy her stuff no matter what she drops. But success is measured by the mainstream and who picks up on it. And for Janet, I think if she, I don't think she needs like a triple platinum album to say she's back. To me, all she needs is a solid single that gets a decent amount of radio play and gets a little bit of sales. Like even if her album went gold, I think that would be a massive, massive return to form for her. And that's, I think that we set the expectations there. It'll be fine. I know you can say, oh, she's Janet. She's supposed to do blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, Janet isn't this, like we keep saying, this isn't the mid nineties. The game has changed. And I think that if she just has just, if she's able to raise her profile, put it like this, if the album drops and people know that the album is out that day, I think that says more than some artists who, drop an album you're like oh wait i didn't know that album even came out already until i saw your review you don't know how often i get that so if she can raise her profile with a decent single i would consider it somewhat successful she should do the same thing that mariah was trying to do when mariah collaborated with miguel and like kind of bridge the gap between the newer generation of r&b and the and the and the um older generation i think mariah was trying to do it and janet I'd like to see her do something similar, but I don't mean get a hot rapper on the hot new rapper on the song, like a two chains or or whatever. Or even collaborate with someone like Jason Derulo. I mean <laughs> I'm talking about some real army. <laughs> you know, I but I think that leads into the next point, which was that Kyle wanted to discuss, which was um featuring a rapper on your single and and uh how you can maintain a career in R and B right now by doing that. So I'll let you take the stage on that one. Well, let me get back. To, well, let me get back to that really shortly. Before we move on from the Janet topic, um, you know, I just noticed such a huge buzz coming from her uh, for her. It's been seven years since her last album. Do you think it would have been effective if she 
you know, just judging from how much buzz she's had for, you know, making a return, do you think it would have been effective for her to pull a Beyonce per se and just put an album out of nowhere? No, 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 no. And y'all got to stop doing that. Can I go on this rant right quick, player? Thank you. I'm going to go on this <laughs> rant right quick. Everybody, I, Beyonce's secret album did amazingly because of her social media presence. That's why that album blew up. It's not because she was just Beyonce. It's because she has this huge, huge presence. She was able to drop this album and fans were able to spread that stuff like wildfire. I remember it dropped. On at there was a Thursday night because all them sisters were watching Scandal. See, Beyonce knows what she's doing. She dropped it right after them sisters were watching Scandal. And I woke up that next morning and I had about 78 text messages about this album. She did it strategically. Now, anybody just can't drop an album any type of way, anywhere, and expect it to have that kind of massive feedback. Even a Mariah or Janet because they don't have that type of fan base. So if she dropped a secret album tonight, and it came out, people would be like, oh, yeah, Janet dropped an album. What? Ooh, ooh, Janet's back. Ooh, ooh, ooh. It wouldn't be it would be more confusion than elation, if you feel me. So, no, 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 Janet, don't do that. <laughs> um, and then the last one I want to make before we go on to the next point is, um, you know, what I've noticed recently in social media, and I guess it's more so the new generation, but they, re- they really like to kick down these veterans when they're down, um, the Mariahs, even the Michael Jacksons, the Wendy Houstons, they're not playing nice. And I feel like we need to start appreciating these legends because, you know, soon enough they're all going to be gone and we're going to be left with, I don't even know what we're going to be left with, but, um, you know, just want to give a quick shout out to Janet and hopefully everyone goes out to support when she drops her album. Um, but along with that, we were, Tom, you were talking about rappers and, you know, this new direction that music is going with. Um, for R&B, um, obviously for the, I think the Mariahs and the Janets, they're going to always have that, what I call the Lifetime Achievement Award, where every time they put out a record, they're going to at least get some airplay on the radio. So I think they're safe to an extent. After that, I think it just depends on how well or how good the record is. But I'm talking about more so the new artists who have had to kind of feature a rapper on their songs just to get on the radio. Do you think that's still effective in today's market? Because I look at Look at an artist like El Varner, who's had some pretty good singles, featured rappers like Wale, ASAP Ferg, and, and, and her new one features 50 Cent. Um, but those songs haven't really made an impact on radio, like, you know, according to the formula, it should. So do you think that formula still works by featuring a rapper? Um, you have no choice. If you're making R&B these days and you're trying to target hip-hop radio, you don't have a choice. And... You have to at least try. I mean, who has put out a single, uh, an R&B single, and done well on hip-hop radio that hasn't featured a rapper? There's been very few, like K. Michelle was one, Seven Streeter was one, but she had Chris Brown on there. I mean, um, it's pro- oh, um, Tamar was one, but it's like really hard to do because, you know, hip-hop has way surpassed R&B these days, so... I really don't see any other route, especially for a brand new artist to break through. You know, people are so concerned on who's on your record and who the hottest hip hop act of the moment is. So I don't, don't think there's an alternative to that if you want to target that younger audience. Yeah, it's much harder. I mean, you can imagine how you go to that with that, um, the worst song because 
the way the format is set up, you just want to hear these. They want some kind of hip hop influence. And it reminds me of that um, Nas verse. And I'm losing my credit here because I can't remember the exact song. But this was even years ago. This is like in the 90s. He said this. He said something to the effect of getting a platinum album, getting a um, hot album is easy. Just get a R&B girl on your hook. There you go with your platinum CD. All that has been the, the pretty much the the format for the past 15 or so years. And it has worked. Unfortunately, what's happened now, like every formula, it's gotten stale. So that's not the automatic go to. This is 1999 where you can do a feature and you're guaranteed to at least go gold. So we're still trying to do these features to get on urban radio, but it doesn't have the immediate results yet. And we don't have a alternative to this right now. And there are people who are making alternative music and are trying different ways, but it hasn't really cracked it, especially when the formats are set up to be a certain way and appeal to a certain type of listener. So it's just kind of a catch 22. Um, I mean, I don't blame artists who try to do it, but what I would like them to do is to pick rappers who actually stick to their you know, somewhat to their style. So it's an easier fit. You know, it's one thing to have a going back in the day, uh, a Roots and an Erica Badu on a feature and they fit so seamlessly because their sounds are the same as opposed to an R&B person randomly rapping with a ASAP mob person. And it's and the sounds don't mesh and it kind of hurts your ears. So that's the only thing I ask for these artists. If you want to do that, just pick somebody who actually sounds decent. Right. <laughs> And, of course, we're not going to be discussing too much hip-hop, but the one, I guess, one formula that's, that seems to be working is, you know, not a rapper that just raps. It's one that's also singing like a future. So maybe we'll be hearing more future R&B collaborations. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Please, I don't, I don't have my, um, my leave. I don't have my headache medicine near me, so <laughs> not future. Uh, so, um, Ed, uh, you just recently um, did a review on Tamiya's album, and I think we can all agree here that that's probably one of the best albums of the year. So far, yes. And I was very excited. We talked about this on the last podcast that um, Tom kind of put a bug in our ears that she had a banger, and he was right. When I listened to it, it was just such a pure listening experience from beginning to end. The You know, one thing that I did miss is that although I like to keep my albums pretty short and like a short listening time it was almost too short i wanted more of it but what we got was really really strong solid r&b from beginning to end with some great great singles i will great great standout tracks that is because i love as we talked about last week stuck with me lipstick off the chain just these nice sensual songs and the good thing about it kids in the house and she's talking about sex and she's not being nasty and stupid so you can talk about being about being sexy without sounding like a complete idiot. It's possible. <laughs> and the music sounds good when you're actually singing with conviction and using your vocals to convey an atmosphere of sensuality instead of just, you know, girl dropping on draws, la, 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 la. I'm like, man, chill. Anyway, <laughs> enough of that. The point is, to me, it really gave us some quality R&B and just the everything with if you're an emerging artist and you really want to hear how a sound can sound in 2015, yet harken back to some of those veteran standards that we're used to, you need to check that out. It's it's really close between her and 
and Jasmine Sullivan's reality show for the best this year. I'm leaning toward Tamia. Give me a few more listens, but that might be our best so far. I think the thing that's interesting is that she came back to Def Jam, I mean, back to a major label situation. And, you know, we sometimes see artists struggling to find their direction and find and, and try to reach that commercial viability with their sound. It seemed like Tamia didn't struggle with that at all. I mean, she no. didn't it didn't seem like she was pressured by the label to do something that wasn't her. She hit on some some sounds that were kind of modern and she did it effectively, meshed it with her sound, um, kept her vocals, you know, as strong as ever. And I think. It's some of her best work easily. So I th- it's, it's great for that, for her and R- for R&B that she was able to, you know, will be coming with such an impactful project. So I hope it gets the recognition it deserves. Yeah. It reminds me of, um, Selena Johnson album last year where an mm, artist yeah. that late in their career can put out something that strong because this is like, I'm t- me in like six album and she sounds like this is something that you would expect from a second or third album because it still has that momentum from that first quality piece of work so good for her for staying true to her sound and experiment a little with you know with sandwich and a soda and things like that but she was able to still hold on to her core sound without completely going off the rails great stuff and the interesting thing about um you know this project tommy had mentioned that you know she went to def jam recorded it maintained her sound i read somewhere that it only took her about 10 days to finish this album she finished the entire album in 10 days that's incredible that is the mark of a veteran at work, that you can put out something that quality in such a short amount of time. Good for her. And when we look at the year, I mean, I've kind of been, as you know, if you follow Soul and Stereo, we do rap, we do R&B. And I have really, since I've been with you guys, this is, I think, my third year kind of partnering with You Know I Got Soul. And for the past two years, R&B just really dominated. They had much better years than rap. But this is the first year since I've been working with you guys that I feel like hip hop has really produced stronger work so far this year than R&B. And not that R&B has been complete garbage, not as far from the case, but it's just been a lot of okay stuff, a few good albums, and a lot of middle of the road stuff. And that's been kind of disappointing. So I'm glad to see that Tamiya's at the top of the heat, got Jasmine and a few others this year who have kind of bring the spotlight back. So hopefully that momentum can continue on the second half of the year. Yep. And uh, just want to ask you guys this then. Um, and Tom, I want to ask you in particular, obviously with Tamiya going to Def Jam, uh, which that probably means a bigger budget for her in terms of the people she gets to work with. Um, do you think, um, and I'm, I'm trying to phrase this correctly here, because her last album was a pretty good album too, uh, how much, how beneficial do you think it was for Tamiya to work with these big time producers to be able to create such a body of work? Do you think being on Def Jam allowed her to do that, or do you think that's just part of her as an artist? Uh, I think for me, her coming back to a major label situation is just a a bigger vehicle to push her work. I mean, her her last couple albums were independent, didn't get the recognition they deserved. I think she's hoping this time with the major behind her that it'll give it more exposure because I don't think money is a big factor for her right now. She just wants to create good music and, and get people to hear it. So really, I think that's the motivation. And if, will it work or not? I mean, it, it will remain to be seen, you know, time will tell, but I think that was her goal with coming back. Cause she really didn't have to come back to a major and she has a reputation to probably work with, with whoever she wants, you know, in terms of producers, she's worked with them all. So, you know, time will tell. 
Okay. So shout out to Tamia for a great album. Her album's coming out on Tuesday. Um, Love Life is the title, so definitely everyone check that out. Make sure you support it. We definitely will, especially myself. Tamia is Canadian, as am I, so you got to support the Canadians. Look at y'all uh, sticking together. That's what we do. So, I mean, Ed, you already brought it up. You thought this was one of the best of the years, uh, best of this year. Do you guys think this is the best so far that we've heard from R&B? Um, I think, Ed, you were talking about the Jasmine Sullivan album as well. It's really close. And, you know, I, I hesitate to say, yes, it's totally it because, you know, I, we've had Jasmine came out in January. So I've had six months to let that sink in. To me, if I've only listened to it, like maybe two or three times all the way through at this point, mostly for review purposes. So right now, I think that I might go with Tamiya just because it seems to be a more solid overall piece of work. But Jasmine's album did produce my favorite single of the year so far, Mascara. So I think that Tamiya is my number one. Jasmine mighty close for number two, though. And then, Tom, of course, I know you you had – some kind words to say about Neil's last album as well on the last podcast. Do you think that's part of the mix as well for album of the year? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's one of the better ones. I don't really have a, an album of the year. I, I kind of leave that to Ed. I just kind of take it all the music for what it's worth. I mean, we've had some good, good work so far in R and B this year. I mean, hasn't quite been as strong as I think 2013 was a great year. 2014, I, I felt like, we took a little bit of a step back this year. I've, I've, there's been some good quality work, but I think we need more of it. So at the end of the year, I'll take a look back and see. But for now, we've, we've had some good projects, so we just need more of it. And if you want to find out what was a good project and what wasn't, uh, you can go on. You know, I got so in, so, so in stereo. Ed uh, gave reviews on the majority of R&B albums that came out this year. So definitely check that out. Um, yeah, and even. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. Well, since I have this opportunity to be able to, you know, go through pretty much all the albums so far, the major releases of the year, I've listened to pretty much all of the majors. And for me, this um, week on Soul and Stereo, I'm going to go through some of the, the biggest releases of the half year so far. But since we're here, we might as well talk about the 10 best of R&B. So... I will say before I get into this that we do have one caveat. I have not yet heard Kenny Lattimore's album. So if that is worthy in a conversation, I'll get to him very soon. But I'll leave him out. So Kenny fans, don't bombard me with the hate mail. I'll get to your boy soon. But um, so far for me, the top 10 of the year is looking like number 10, Sierra's Jackie album, which was a mix of R&B and pop, but... Actually, I liked it a little bit more than her album, her previous album. Number nine, Jodeci's comeback album, Past, Present, and Future. Fans love this album. They loved it. But I feel like even though a lot of it is like a more of a nostalgia trip, very good, solid album. But I think that some of there was a little bit of hype surrounding it. Number eight is Tom's album, Neo Nonfiction. Again, another great album. There was some really strong stuff up here. But as we said last week, it was just last week. There's just so many skits and so much fluff that it kind of drowns out the stronger songs. Number seven is an album that it's like people have forgotten about. Raheem Devon's Love, Sex, Passion. That's a really good album that dropped around Valentine's Day that seems to have lost a little bit of steam. Y'all need to go back and check that out. 
Um, I think it's six. I've got Kalani's You Should Be Here. It's another album that got a ton of hype online. Some of it deserves, some of it not so deserved. But if you haven't checked it out, might want to do that. Number five is my man Case, Heaven's Door. That's probably the biggest surprise of the year so far because there's been, you know, I love Case as an artist, especially as more of a featured artist. But he really had a strong showing here with this one. Number four, Uncle Charlie Wilson, Forever Charlie. Charlie always comes with the heat, so that's really no surprise. Number three, it's another one we've talked about here before in the past, and some might not even consider it R&B, but I do, and that's Snoop's Bush album. I mean, it is so much fun. It is the equivalent of last year's Pharrell album, his girl album. It's just an absolute blast. And then two and one, we've got Tamia and Jasmine. You might want to flip-flop those two, but right now I have Tamia at number one. So that's what my top ten is looking like for the year for R&B. Can I also just shout out a few projects that that, that um, came out this year that might have been overlooked? Do that. Um, Bria Marie is an artist who's under um, Carvin Haggins from uh, the production team Carvin and Ivan. And I want to give her a shout out. She just dropped her, her debut album called Freshman. It's a we we did a I did a write up on it for the site so you guys could check that out. But it's a very unique and very positive project. Like it's it's totally going against the grain of where some of the younger R and B artists are going content wise. So it's it's worth a check out. Um, Adrian Marcel put out his week after next Reloaded album. I was a fan of that one. Um, there was another one too I wanted to, to mention. If I can. Uh, India Sean and James Fontlore put out their Outer Limits EP, and that's it's really different sounding. It's not straight R and B, but it's really unique sounding, and I want to show them some love. And um, one more is uh, I know Kyle, you were a fan of this one. Uh, Kendall, who signed to Atlantic Records, put out her EP Still Down, her debut project on Atlantic. Some kind of throwback R and B sound on there, and um, not an not an album, but. I also wanted to mention, and we did a write-up on this for the site, too. We just found Ray Vaughn, who was previously signed to Neo. She just reemerged as part of a group under Chuck Harmony and Claude Kelly. So we were excited to hear her reemerging. So just want to throw some of these things out there. And then just a couple that I want to throw out, uh, the first one being My Sean, a young R&B singer, reminiscence of a young usher he worked with. Brian Cox and Jermaine Dupri on his EP, which came out in February, has some records that might remind you of, you know, the 8701 Usher. Uh, pretty good listen. Uh, Rico Love, I liked his project, the song Amsterdam, if you haven't checked out that song. Really good song, and I can't believe no one mentioned this album, and I'm really disappointed in you. It is the number one to infinity album by Mariah Carey. <laughs> the greatest <laughs> one of the I best I figured albums. you would slide that in, player. One of the best albums to come out. What is it, like 18 new songs on there and you didn't put it on the list? I'm disappointed. <laughs> Continue to revel in your disappointment. Right. Man, like that song, what is it? <laughs> Vision of Love? I've never heard that before. It's a fantastic song. <laughs> <laughs> that song is just so revolutionary. I can't believe that song has never been recorded until 2015. Right. Now, I thought it sounded a little dated. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. Anyway, shout out, know. shout out to Mariah. <laughs> um, for those that don't, don't know, Mariah dropped a Greatest Hits album, which contains all her number one singles. So if you're a Mariah fan like I am, definitely go cop that and keep it, uh, put it in your collection. 
Um, so moving forward with R&B, you know, we've already talked about the first six months of R&B, some of the albums that have come out. Um, are there any artists that you're anticipating, you know, albums from? Um, you know, I know Usher has been working on a project for who knows how long. Um, we just announced the news that Brandy is coming back out. She's in the studio right now with DJ Camper, who's one of our favorite producers, working on an EP, and then that'll eventually lead to an album. Uh, is there anyone that you guys have in mind that you guys are waiting for? Um, yeah, we got two albums coming up. In the oh, sorry, Ed, go ahead. No, go ahead, Tom. Um, what you got? We got two albums coming up on June 23rd. Life Jennings is putting out his Tree of Life album. I think it's going to be pretty good. And then Elijah Blake is putting out his uh, debut album, Shadows and Diamonds. And uh, many of you may not be familiar, but he's a big supporter of our site, and uh, he's a dope new R&B artist. So those are two to check out that I know of coming out this this month. What do you got, Ed? Well, um, you beat me to one. I'm a huge Life Jennings fan. Huge into my man life. I love his sound. I love the, the, the topics that he handles. And I'm really looking forward to Tree of Life in a couple weeks. Um, Elijah Blake's been floating around forever. So I'm glad that he's finally going to be putting out his official debut album. Um, we got Alicia Keys allegedly coming out at some point. And if you, and if you're a fan of my site, you know, I go by Alicia Keys. It seems like every other one of her albums is, one that I really latch on to. So she's circled around to that year where this is the album that I'm going to love if she follows suit to her previous format. So I'm looking forward to that. Don't let me down, Alicia. Wait, if we're going by that formula, hold on. So the last album, (laughs) did you like Girl on Fire? Nah. So that means you like the, uh, the Element album. Yes. But you didn't like As I Am. Yeah. What? Oh man. Yeah. Oh, Wait. But uh, then the diary was off the chain. See, that's how it works. Yeah, you don't like song songs A minor. See? Yeah. Oh. So it's Who time for her to drop a banger. Hmm. Who invited oh, this you, guy on the team? He's calling a oh, classic. Well you messed up, player. You just <laughs> You should have read the resume a little deeper. Yeah. <laughs> that's on your resume? Damn. Yes. Oh, Another artist that's coming out with an album soon is Tamar Braxton. So, Ed, I anticipate your inbox will be filled up pretty quickly by the Tamar. Oh, have mercy. The Tamarsons do not roll with soul and stereo, but it's good. I'll, I'll come and I'll throw on my armor and I'll throw on my, my suit of armor and we'll be good. And it's weird. Yep. I show Tamar love, but if you don't give her five stars, they will come for your throat player. I appreciate the love, though, because... You know, you got to stand for who you love hardest. And speaking of that, guess who else drops an album this year? King Keith Sweat, people. (laughs) There will not be enough stars in the galaxy for as many stars I'm going to throw on this album. So you just get ready for that review. You're keeping that one on your site, right? (laughs) Um, You trust me. You don't even have to answer that. I'll have the whole front page dedicated to it. Sign us up for the mini review. (laughs) Uh, guys, this will be 3,000 words, yes. Guys, let's behave. Uh, we also want to give a quick birthday shout-out to Prince. Birthday was yesterday. Mr. Oh, Purple Rain. And Prince. I think it's awesome with Prince. He's he's able to, whenever we post a picture of Prince, it is like stuff that no one else can get away with, but Prince can get away with it. 
only Prince can walk around. I don't know if you've seen the most recent picture. There's like the meme going around with him, like with the cane at one of the award shows. The man is dressed like in this slick orange thing. It's just like an airhead wrapper. So he is dressed in this with his <laughs> white cane and his gigantic blowout fro, and women are throwing their draws at their computer screen. Only Prince can do this. Because if I'm nah, walking around here in an though, orange jumpsuit, I would be in jail. Literally, I would be an inmate. At some point, we're going to have to bring a style expert onto one of these podcasts and break it down for us, especially what was going on in the, in the 80s with this, with <laughs> these looks. Because I don't understand how this was acceptable in public, to be honest. Play, I'm, just, uh, no, you, I'm <laughs> just telling you, you had to be around because even then, Brothers was like, what? But then it's Prince. It didn't matter if he had holes in his butt cheeks because it was, uh, he gave his purple <laughs> reins or whatever. He can do what he wants. Yep. And guys, of course, um, just to bring it back to R&B a little bit, of course, we did that whole album tournament thing, talked about a lot of great albums. What I want to do is kind of highlight some of the albums that we may or may not have talked about um, each week and just, you know, have its own little segment. So for people who forgot about the album or want to listen to the album again, they can do that with art, with our input as well. So um, the album that I guess I'll present to everyone for today's podcast is Neo's debut, in my own words. First of all, what do you guys remember about that album? I have a great story about this album because we I knew Neo as a songwriter, and I was not really sold on him as an artist yet. And I know that's like, oh, blasphemy, but this 2005, 2006, give a brother a break. So I heard the single So Sick, and I was like, it's all right. But I wasn't won over. So a friend of mine was like, you got to hear this album. You got to hear this album. You got to hear this album. So the friend gave it to me for as a gift. I can't remember what the occasion was. And man, when I heard the full album, I loved it. And that's what made me a Neo fan when I actually got immersed in the album and just, you know, kind of got away just from the So Sick single. Because at this one, I was so sick of hearing it because it was just so played out. But there was a really strong album that had like, Sexy Love and oh, some great songs on. I absolutely love it. It's one of the better albums for the past 10 years or so. I agree. I, I love it. Looking back, it's, you know, it stands the test of time. I think what's really interesting is they released Stay as the first single, which ended up being. Oh, the I least forgot successful. about that. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot and about I didn't like Stay at all. Yeah. I, I wonder how that was decided as the first single. That's curious because So Sick, When You're Mad, and Sexy Love all blew up. Turned right. him into a star. And it's just, you know, that it happens like that sometimes, you know. It, hindsight is always twenty twenty, But uh, it, it's interesting, though, 2006, when this came out, that was still a time when R&B was, was more relevant, where you could put out these slow jams and they would make an impact at radio. And in the next few years, we would see it kind of make a turn. I don't want to say take a turn for the worse, but, yeah, those opportunities were no longer there. So and when you think about it, Neo was really kind of the last of a dying breed when it came to that, having that R&B presence on the radio all the time. I know we talked a little bit earlier about um, having R&B artists having rappers on their song to give them relevance. And, you know, the, the opposite was true. And I remember Ghostface Killer had a song and featured Neo on it so he could get some radio play. And that was like his last big radio song because Neo was so big and it gave him that rub he needed to kind of go mainstream. So that symbiotic relationship between R&B and hip-hop goes way, way back even to that. And Neo kind of was the last guy who was holding that R&B banner for urban radio and mainstream audiences. 
right? And I think what's interesting about this album is it eventually, and I don't think people noticed it back then, but it really changed the, the, the sound of radio to an extent, because after that album came out, you had Beyonce's Irreplaceable, Chris Brown's With You, and a handful of other records that had similar production, Rihanna's Take a Bow, another one, um, a lot of them either written by Neo or produced by Stargate, so Neo's album definitely had an impact on music, um, so would you guys consider this a classic? I would hesitate to call it a classic in the true sense of the word. It's definitely a great album, but a classic, I don't know about that. I, I'll i take that. I, I do because when I – you see, it's hard. You can't say is this a classic and then compare it to like a Luther Vandross album from the oh, 80s. Oh, apparently not. It's like, it's like in its generation, would you consider it some of the best work? And if you look at it like that for me – I would have to say yes, it was. So for me, and plus personally, you know, I I, I could play the whole thing through, and I I really like it still to this day. So for me, this would be a classic. Well, for me, a definition of a classic is really an album that not only stands the test of time, but like influences other genres. I mean, well, on other artists, and I think Neo is, as Kyle just said, like his penmanship really influenced the sound later on. I don't know if the album actually influenced the sound, if that makes sense. I think Neo's writing and his production style did. And again, no hate to this album. I, I think it's by far his best piece of work and one of the best in the past 10 years or so. But classic, uh, I think that's a little borderline for me. <laughs> and last question for you guys. And I want you guys to just, I want you guys to fill in the blank. So are you guys ready? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> what the heck is going on? Oh, no, well, yeah, I'm ready. We're not, we're not right. ready, but let's go anyway. We're ready. So, okay, the best song on this album is uh, "When You're Mad." Mm, this is tough. Sexy love. I personally would have either gone. With, oh, that's a tough one. "Let Go" is a personal favorite of mine. Yeah, that's a tough one. There's a lot of good choices. There's no one yeah, that was the right tough. choice. Yep. Shout out to Neil. <laughs> so that uh that would conclude this segment for this podcast. Uh, so moving forward, um, is there anything that you guys want to add? Maybe any suggestions yeah. for upcoming albums? Let's wrap it up with with Tom's special this or that. Okay. Uh -oh. Here we go. I got ready. This or that. Look, I'm ready. Canada or USA? Canada. <laughs> we got free healthcare, oh, man. You got free healthcare, but it is too freaking cold up there. USA, please give me that. Give me my, give me my red and my white and my blue and my pie. Didn't we just have a discussion on Tamiya putting out the best album of the year? Oh. Now, now if, if I recall correctly, <laughs> Tamiya's from Canada. I, and look, I will, I cannot hate because y'all make them fine up in Canada between Tamia and Deborah Cox. I will give you that. But this is just June player. Let's see what the second half brings. We ain't heard that Keith album yet now. We're also talking yeah. about two artists who abandoned Canada and left. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, now we still got Glenn Lewis. We'll make it happen. Glenn, he, Glenn Lewis. He's Philly. <laughs> That's true. Who else we got Man. then? Uh, yeah, Melanie Fiona left too. Hmm. Anyway, You're not looking good, Kyle. Got beef. 
Moving on. Uh, Pizza Hut versus Taco Bell. Ooh, Pizza Hut. Pizza, Pizza Hut, Hut easily. Now, Taco Bell does have these banging, like, icy things. Like, I just discovered these <laughs> a couple months ago. They off the chain. But other than that, Pizza Hut without question. So it's a Mexican restaurant and you're going there for some icy thing. That doesn't well, sound. Why would Wait. you go there for Mexican food anyway? I mean, the quesadillas <laughs> are basically sheets of paper with lunch meat in between it. It's time for a true, uh, you know, I got soul story. Okay. So I was, so I was in New York for, uh, Tom's wedding back in, what was it, in August? On yep. the wedding day, Tom and his buddies decided that they wanted to go to Taco Bell for breakfast on his wedding day. <laughs> this is so Tom. This is a true story. This is a true story. Let's just say two hours after everyone had their Taco Bell, we were lining up. In to, um, outside Tom's bathroom, one by one, <laughs> trying to get into that toilet. That's yes. how bad Taco Bell is. Y'all know no mercy on that plumbing that day. Good lord. No. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> uh, ready? Um, Snoopy versus Batman. What? Why is this even a question, player? I mean, Batman would beat the crap out of everything. No, moving. no, it's. It's this or that. Which is better? Oh, Batman. Batman, play a Batman. I don't know. Snoopy is really cool, though. I'm staring no. at my Batman iPhone case, so I can't, <laughs> I can't deny him. And that brings us to the next one. Apple versus Samsung. Samsung. I would usually, I just got a Samsung TV for the new crib and I'm all excited and hyped, but I gotta go with Apple for now until this TV wins me over. So, we shall see. And I will go with Blackberry. <sighs> Wait, for before we, uh, before, before we go any further, I just want to point out to everybody or to anyone that may be listening, we love all these brands and if you guys want to sponsor us, we're all for it. Taco Bell, <laughs> call us up. Taco we are Bell, I think that bridge is burned. No, no. And listen, you got someone on his wedding day willing to take his whole party to go get some of those raggedy burritos for their <laughs> breakfast. I think that's something you actually want to champion. Put your face on a billboard. Oh yep. man! So last on, guys. one. Last one. Jordan versus LeBron. Oh my goodness! Which Listen, one? we almost shut down the barber shop last week talking about this because, <laughs> like, there were about to be clippers flying across the room. I think comparing Bron and Jordan at this stage is absolutely ridiculous. When you look at Jordan's legacy, I mean, Jordan wins without question. Now, maybe down the line, we may be talking about an all-time great, but not today. No, no, no. Well. I mean, I obviously go with Jordan as well, but I think he's kind of overrated if you look at it from a bigger overrated? picture. Overrated? Yep. Over. Listen. Yep. Hold on. Player, you just showed your age. You must have been born four <laughs> days ago to say that Hold Jordan on. is overrated. Hold on. If you put LeBron on that same Bulls team, they'll win six titles too. That's all I'm saying. Nah, if you put him on the same Bulls team with Jordan on the team, yes. No. But you take him out? No. Still got Pippen. Still got Rodman. But Jordan Rodman. was the linchpin player. That is what made everything work. Nope. Plus, Rodman. Tim Duncan's better. Tim Duncan's better than Jordan anyway, so it's all good. Jordan made those players good. They weren't. These guys weren't. Exactly my point. Oh. 
Nope. That's exactly my point. Anyway, what else that's you got like, for us? That's it. That, that's all we got this time. Man. Good lord. <laughs> got, my, got my shirt all sweaty. Like, what is going on in Canada? What is going on with y'all? So I never <laughs> left because y'all don't know what you're talking about. Oof. <laughs> well, I just want to end it off on a good note, or maybe not a good note. I was uh, I was barbecuing some burgers outside. I don't know if you guys have ever gone through this experience, but I was grilling some burgers, and then my propane tank went out in the middle of what? me grilling some burgers. That was terrible. That is the most Jeez. heart-wrenching thing I have ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> so what y'all going to do? So do you go, are you going to, like, eat the half-raw burgers? Like, I don't understand what, what you do with your life. No, well, I eventually had to go get uh, get my propane exchanged, but for that 30 seconds where I was like, why is there no fire on here? That was that was a bad moment. Just it's put all good. in the microwave. <laughs> what, what would you do? <laughs> you know, you just chicken anyway. <laughs> don't start. Don't start on that again. <laughs> oh, all man. right. Last question for you guys. Last question. I guess this would be considered a this or that, but I kind of always ended off with a food question. So, are you guys ready? Yep, ready. The best pop slash soda is. Oh, that's a tough one. I got it. Cream soda. Go ahead. Mm, mm, play, uh, what flavor? <laughs> just, like, just regular cream soda? Yeah, regular cream soda. Good. Oh, I gotta go up there and educate y'all on everything I see. The best right now, like, walking the face of the earth is Fanta Pineapple. That is the best. What? I don't I, even know what that is. I've seen that. <laughs> I don't ever think I've tried it. Try it and get your I, life right because it is really soda. Yeah, it's a soda. <laughs> it's a religious experience. Wow, it's pretty deep. Yes, yes, it will make you fall at the altar of Fanta because that joint is that bang. I mean, you could go with the classic orange soda. You know, if I want to show my ethnicity and just put all my stereotypes out there. Yes, I could do the orange soda, but you know, for me, the best Fanta pineapple. Rolls the hardest. Mm. Now, do y'all and answer this, Kyle? Up in Canada, do you call it soda or do you call it pop? I call it pop. It's so bizarre to me. That's me too. bizarre too. No, and and see, you know, I'm for those who don't know, I live in Alabama, but I'm originally from Southern Virginia. So here, everything is called Coke. I mean, it could be blue, and it's called Coke, which makes no sense. In Virginia, it's called soda. So, I call it soda. Hmm. Anyway, before we uh, before we break out into a fight over uh, Canada and the U.S., uh, let me end off the podcast <laughs> just going through the Urban AC charts for anyone that's interested. Um, uh, so, at number one, The Weeknd, with the, with the song Earned It. Number two is Jodeci's record, Every Moment. Number three is Mark Ronson and Bruno Mars, Uptown Funk, which is, I think, Tom's favorite song right now. Uh, number four, we have, <laughs> number four, we have Kem's Nobody. Number five, Jasmine Sullivan's Let It Burn, which is actually one of my favorite songs of the year. Uh, number six, we got Tyrese and his record, Shame. 
Number seven, we've got Mary J. Blige, Delt. Number eight, we got D'Angelo's Really Love. Number nine, we got Neo's Religious, which I'm really surprised to see on this chart because he hasn't really promoted it too much. And number ten, we ended up with Jamie Foxx featuring your your cousin Chris Brown. You changed me. Yay. So there we have the top ten songs from Billboard's Urban AC chart. Uh, I think that's all we've got for this week. Um, you know, anything that you guys want to add? So I got well, over over on Soul and Stereo. We'll be up to the usual goodness this week. We'll be talking about some of the best music in the past six months, kind of extending the conversation that we had here. So stop by sometime this week. Soulandstereo.com. Check that out. Or just follow a brother on Twitter, E.T. Bowser. And I'll be talking music and lots of other things that will annoy the Tay Martians. Yep. <laughs> and lastly, I know a lot of people have inquired about joining us on this podcast. Uh, we're going to be doing that soon. Just going to get the chemistry right between us before we start adding new people. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we'll, we'll make sure it happens because we want to get everyone on board with this. Uh, but that's all we have for this week. Uh, check back next week for another edition of podcasting with Tom, Kyle, and Ed. Um, but with all that said, I'll see you guys next week.